Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. Take your Bible, turn to Mark 8. Take your Bible, turn to Mark 8. Amen. Oh, man. Glad you're here today. I am glad that you're here. Uh, Mark 8, 34 through 38. We read 34 through 37 last week. And uh, we're going to put one more verse there on the end of that today as we look at the next kind of core value here of our church. And um, so uh, Mark 8, 34. When you got it, say amen. amen. Let's read it. Let's do this. 34. It says, when he had called the people to himself his, with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Amen. That's... Again, those two words that, that, that change everything. Everything changes with those two words. Uh, the call was not to just repeat a prayer after someone. It may, the, the answer to the call may start with the prayer, but it goes further. The answer is, is not to just show up for church once in a while. The answer and the question and the call was to do this following. And so he said, follow me. In verse 35, he says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? In verse 38, for today, he says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is some good stuff today. I, I don't let that freak you. I don't let that scare you. But uh, it's, it's going to be a good word today. Let's pray together one more time. God, thank you for what you're doing in our church, Lord. Thank you for the avenues that you're opening up, God, for us to carry the gospel to the world, Lord. And I just thank you, Lord, for a church who's understanding, God, the importance of being a part of that, God, who's answering the call themselves, Lord. And, and we just thank you, Father, right now that there is good news that you've called us to carry to the world who desperately needs it. And so I pray our hearts, Lord, today will be open. I pray that you'll speak to us today, God. I pray that your word will be clear in our hearts. God, we'll be challenged by it, changed by it. And Lord, we'll be more like you because of it, Father. We just pray your Holy Spirit, Lord, be a part of our, this service in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. High five your neighbor one more time. Say God's good. God is good. Hey, man, all the time he's good. So uh, that's old school. I like that, though. That's still good. Uh, I, I, we have been in this series called Follow Me. And when we say follow me, I'm not talking about following, following just me. I'm talking about following Jesus. And, and that, that uh, we, we laid it out about how the whole Twitter thing works. Some of you got brought up to a whole new modern era of Twitter and, and learned a lot of great things. You learned what hashtagging means, all that kind of stuff. But when it's all said and done, the call that was sent forth and was given to us was to follow Jesus. And, uh, and again, not just, um, not again, just come in and, and sit in a chair once in a while, but to follow him, to go after him. And, uh, that game of follow the leader, man, was just, it was just one of those pictures that we get to see and he's leading us. And Bible says, Holy Spirit, he leads us and guides in all truth. So we follow him. We live a life for him. And as we do that, things happen. We change. We change. Just stuff begins to take place in our life. He'll lead you into doing things that you never would have done before. 
and you're like, man, where did that come from? And it was just the Holy Spirit saying, do this. And then you, you get in this place and you start worshiping and you start giving God glory and honor. And so you start doing these things. And so we have to say, Jesus, we want to follow you. So we've asked the question, what does that look like? What does it look like practically? What does it look like for a church? And, and as we answer that call to follow him, he told us to do this. He said to make disciples of all nations. All right, so he's called us to do this, to make disciples who then turn around and then make disciples. And so I, my heart for you as a church is that each person in this room right now grabs a hold of the calling in their life. Oh, man, that was very quiet. So a couple of you are going to go walk it out. But you grab hold of the calling in your life and then walk that out and live that life for him. And as you follow him, things begin to take place. And we make disciples. And, and we've learned just even just refreshed last week about the vision of our church is to make Jesus known. And, uh, and, and that's just, it goes so much further than just having somebody know about him. Not know of him. You know about a lot of people. You know of many folks. But there's a difference when you know him. There's a difference when you begin to come into a place and you start having intimacy with him, a relationship with him, and when he asks you to do certain things, you just walk and do it because that comes out of relationship with Christ. And so we're seeing in this, in this story is that we know him. Paul said it, man. Paul said that I may know him. That's it. That's the call. And so we want to know him. And so we do that, and we want to walk that out. And so we're, we asked and just kind of really pulled back and said, as a church, what do we hold dear? What do we value? And some of you folks are going to be going through the new members luncheon, uh, connection luncheon today. This is just a great time for you to come in and, and start even seeing more about what our heart is as a church. For just who maybe have been here for a while or if it's your first time, we need to know what we believe and walk that out and live this lifestyle for him. So, so we've been looking at the core values of our church. And, and so we want each of the ministries, where's the core values of the church? And so that is a W-E-A-R-S that we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. And that first letter and that word where's, anybody remember? Y'all didn't listen. And uh, so it um, was worship. So we want to live a lifestyle of worship. And so worship is, is not just a song. It's not just something that, that somebody sings. It's not a chord on a guitar. It's not something that you play a, a, a beat. And worship is a lifestyle of you saying, Jesus, you're worth it. It's a lifestyle saying, Jesus, you're worth it. You're worth me dropping my net. You're worth me picking up a cross, carrying it, and following you and doing what you've called me to do and purpose in my life. That's following him. So we worship him. And we look practically at kind of how that is and what that means. And so we worship him with our time. Uh, we worship him with our praise. We worship him with finances. We worship him with our thoughts. And then we worship, I ultimately do this, we worship him with our life. We worship him with our life. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, die before you die, there's no chance after. <laughs> Love it. Die before you die, there's no chance after. So we want to do this. We want to die to flesh, die to the old man, put on the new, and follow him in a lifestyle of worship. You know why? Because he's worth it. He's worth it. He's so worthy. And if we want to give to him, we want to love him, serve him, follow him because he's worth it. And here's what's good about Jesus. He'll never lead you in the wrong direction. He'll never lead you the wrong way. The Holy Spirit will never direct you and lead you into a bad place. The Holy Spirit directs you and leads you into truth. So, so it's just a great time as we follow him in worship. So today we want to look at the E in the where's, and the E is evangelism. And so it's one of the core values of our church that we want to hold dear. We want to hold close to us because we want to evangelize. We want to share good news. Uh, when, when, when you hear the word evangelist, if you've been a church person um, in, in certain arenas, 
that word could possibly even bring a little bit of scaredness to you. Because when you, when you picture evangelists, you maybe picture them uh, looking a certain way. If you grew up in, like me in church, you remember the evangelist coming in and just screaming at you and, and you know, doing that kind of that stuff. And, you know, you kind of got a little fearful, and, 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 but it was just kind of crazy. So that can stir stuff up in your heart sometimes. But evangelists are, are, are cool. That's a calling. It really is. That's, one of, that's, the, that's part of the fivefold gifts that God gives. And, and it's a beautiful thing. And there are some just called evangelists, but he's called every person to operate in the gift of evangelism and to share. And evangelism is something that we do and it's something that it flows through us when we go out and we evangelize and we share the good news. By definition, it means this. It means to bring good tidings. And it means uh, it is the name that was given to those who, uh, who share salvation through Christ, who were not apostles. Okay, so, so this is what we're called to do. We're share, called to share the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus. So this is what flows out of our mouth, good news. That's what flows from us. It is what comes out of us. And so we start, we start pulling back and asking. Remember we asked last week, if you're, if you're a worshiper, you're worshiping God with all those things we spoke about. So today you, you get to pull back and say, am I following Jesus? Am I operating as an evangelist? If I am, this is what's coming out of your mouth. Good news. Yeah. It's what's coming out of your mouth. It's, it's good things that are coming out. So this is also a judge. Of, of, this is something we can say. If things that are not good and pleasing in God's sight are flowing out of my mouth, I'm not operating as an evangelist. And so, so if I'm saying, if I'm talking this, or I'm talking about someone, if I'm saying stuff, and some, and some of it we don't even have a clue what we're talking about, but we're saying things or doing things, we get pulled in, and because this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to pull you away from your calling as an evangelist and bring you into a place of gossip, backbiting, talking, disruption, because this is how he works. The same way that he doesn't want you to surrender and worship, he in no way wants you to evangelize and share good news, because this is what good news does. Good news changes people. It's good news. It's good news to someone who is sick to tell them the good news that Jesus died and gave his life and was beaten and his stripes were taken upon his back for their healing. That's good news to them. The enemy doesn't want people to hear that. He hates it. He doesn't want you to speak those words. You come across that person that doesn't know Christ, that doesn't have that relationship with Jesus. You know what good news is to that person who's going to hell because they don't have Jesus? Good news is this. Good news is that Jesus got on the cross, died in their place for their sins so they could go to heaven and live eternally with him. It's good news. You know what's good news to somebody who's broke? Good news to them that you don't have to stay broke. You can be blessed. And it's good news. And so we do this. We answer the call as an evangelist. We share the good news with others. And so we stop the moment something begins to go out of your mouth. You listen to me. This word will change you. As you begin to get ready to say something, because it's just human flesh, it's just nature that does this, to try to get you into a place where you talk things or say stuff. It's just what happens. It's the enemy at work in your life. And so you do this. When you get ready to say that, you wait and say, hold on, everything. Wait. I'm not speaking good news. So you start talking different. You start saying things different. Some of you guys, you work in some places, man, and some of you guys share those stories with me, and it's tough. But you know who's called to be evangelist in your workplace? You are. I'll pray for you. We'll commission you and send you forth, but I don't go there every day. 
I don't go into your, your work. I don't go to that place. God's commissioned you and called you to be an evangelist to the world who needs him desperately. So we share that. And so I, I'm going to give you three things this morning that, uh, that I feel like that as we look at what it means to be an evangelist, what does it look like to operate in the, in the, op, in the uh, office of that, and what that means to us is the first thing that we do is we're just active. Okay, an evangelist is active. Remember that picture of that person, that evangelist who came to mind uh, when, I, when I said that word earlier? Uh, one of the things I liked about those guys, they, they got in their RV. You know what I'm talking about? You know, and then they, they got to find a place to plug in somewhere, man. I mean, they always have to come and find a place to plug in somewhere, their RV. But this is what I like. They were active. They were sharing. They were going forth, and they wasn't just sitting back. They wasn't just sitting down. They were moving forth. So the first thing that you do as an evangelist, be active in that. We we learned first week that he said to be a fisher of men. If we just follow him, that's what he makes us. And as you fish, which is one of my favorite pastimes just to do, don't get to do it enough, but it's fun. As you fish, just relax and enjoy that ride, man, and just have a good time. But fishing is this. It's active. It's you putting it in the water. You can talk about it. You can come and learn about it. We can watch videos about it, do teaching seminars about it, bring in guest speakers who know how to really challenge you to do it well. But until you're active, you're not evangelizing. That's good. I mean, so until you're active, until you're going out sharing that, until you're doing that, we're following Jesus. We're going fishing. We're going out putting the bait out there. We're out there sharing it to them. And you've got to find out what, they, what pulls in them and what they connect with. It's just what you do as an evangelist. It's what you do as a fisherman. Seasons change. Things happen. Water comes in or out. They swim in. They swim out. This sometimes works. This sometimes doesn't. You just pray that you just go out and you're putting the right thing in the ground. But do this. Enjoy fishing. Enjoy being an evangelist and don't put the pressure on yourself to be the one who has to make the difference and change in their life. You just go out and share it. A fisherman, what I loved about him, but what Jesus said to his disciples was do this. Just go out and go fishing. He didn't tell you to bring them in and clean them. He didn't tell you to do And, and what we try to do is sometimes and, and what the world tries to make us do and may put the pressure on even some of the people that, that are being called and, and God's doing a work in their life. We want to kind of clean them up, do this thing, and then we want to try to get them in. Listen, he just said go out and fish. And he said bring them in. And then we let the Holy Spirit begin to clean them up. We let the power of God, we let the discipleship that's taking place and the word going forth, we let those things begin to happen. We just follow him. And we follow him regardless of the cost. Regardless of the cost. And, and I know this, this series is more challenging as, as other series because, again, it requires something on our part. We follow him. We follow him. But sometimes I think because of the world we're living in right now, we don't have an understanding and a grasp of what it really means to follow Christ. I don't know if you saw the news. I don't know if you looked and seen what took place last week. But last week in Pakistan, uh, Tim, if you would just throw this up real quick. Uh, as, as we came, now, again, this is, this is just something that's, that's difficult to look at. But as we came last week, we got in our cars. We drove in down the road. We, we got out. We got ready. We came in. We had our, our coffee in our hand. And, and we came in, and we heard a good song, and we heard a message. As we did that, across the world, our brothers and sisters were doing this right now. Our brothers and sisters were getting up, getting ready, and praying that they didn't get killed that day because of what they believed. And last week, this is, this is our family. This is our brothers and sisters. Last week, 78 Christians were killed 
because of what they believe and what they stand for. And they said, I'm willing to do that no matter what the cost, no matter what it takes. And as you see that, listen, that is one church. That is, our, that is a group of people who are our family that we're going to worship in heaven with one day and, and celebrate God's goodness with them. And, and, and if you'll think about this today, it's tough, but we can't relate to that. Can't relate to that. I heard it's disturbing. I saw a post and it was di- very difficult uh, to read something I read. What pastor friend of mine posted it lately was this: there was a pastor who was preaching this past week on the stage, and a, g- a guy walks in in America right here and walks in and points a gun, pulls the trigger, and kills him as he's preaching the gospel of, of Christ. It's tough, but listen to me. I, I'm just I, we're at a place where he says follow him, and you know something. If that happens, he's worth it. He's worth it. We have so many freedoms, and I know it's frustrating living in America, and it's tough, some of the things. But listen, we don't even have no grasp of what's going on out there. But I want to get this, this church so excited about Christ, following him so deeply. If the president got on the, on the stage and, and, and passed a new law, regardless of whatever, that says you couldn't come next week, nothing would stop you. If, if he got up and said something, if you go to your workplace and you say something, you do something about Jesus, this is, your, this is your result, that you said, I'm willing to die for what I believe because Jesus did this and he died for me. Amen. And so as a church, we do this. We go after him. We worship him. And our text was this. Our text is what he says, whoever is ashamed. Whoever is ashamed. And, and that's, a, that's a big word. One, one of the principal reasons that, that Jesus was saying this to this group of people because they were unwilling to grasp hold of and to understand that this Jesus that they were hearing from was the Messiah. They had a hard time seeing this because in their mind, they had a picture of what they wanted him to look like. And when he came on the scene, he wasn't it. They had a picture of what they wanted their Messiah to be, how his interests in this world would take place, what he would do as he came forth. And he wasn't it. He didn't fit their mold. And I don't believe that's changed much in the world today. Some of us don't follow Jesus or we want to do this. We want to make him into the mold and follow the mold that we have of him. But listen, Jesus said, do this. He said, follow me. And I want you to be active in that. I don't want you to sit back. I, don't, I want you to literally each day of your life in some way evangelize and share good news to others. And this is, this is what God will do to you. He'll give you the strength to do it. If you ask him for the Holy Spirit, he'll put it inside of you. He'll put him there, and he'll empower you to go forth and share this. He'll empower you to speak these words. He'll empower you to do this because, again, this is gospel, good news to others. And so I'm asking this today, and it's challenging. I'm not wanting any way for us in this place to feel guilty or feel condemned if we haven't done these things. I'm just asking this. I'm just asking for our beliefs and our lifestyles to follow up and line up with what we believe in our heart. It's all masses. So, so we live this lifestyle. We live it active for him. We want to walk in this direction. Again, because this is good news. It's good news that, that when Christ died and gave his life, the enemy was defeated. That's good news. I, it, it's just good news. And, and so, and so if, we, if we saw this, if we're really in fullness of what it is, Sec, uh, Colossians uh, 2, verse 13 through 15, I, I've asked them to guys to pull this, and I've asked them to get it in the Message Bible because it's, it's just pretty cool. I like the, the paraphrase here of this scripture. But I want you to hear this. It says that when you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive. 
right along with Christ, think of it, all sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, that old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross, he stripped all spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. Come on. That's what Jesus did on the cross. That's what Christ did for us. And so when we look at this today, when we see this, we look at what happens in Pakistan and we say, man, that's sad. And it is. But you know something? Those guys are rejoicing in heaven. Those guys are rejoicing in heaven. Those who believed. We're living in a world that's trying to teach things through false religion and false doctrine. and, And this is what's difficult. The two suicide bombers that went in and made that happen, they really believed in their heart they were going to go to heaven and spend eternity with the virgins and, and all these types of things. Listen, they're deception. They're deceived, and it's a lie. We have the truth in us. We have the truth in us. He wants us to be active and share that because, again, all, all authority has been stripped down. In the garden, you see this. In the garden, you see where Adam was given authority by God to go forth and operate and flow in the authority that he's give, he gave him to have dominion. And then this is what took place. They gave it over. That authority was stripped. And then we see Jesus come on the scene, and he does this. He brings the authority back to where it should be. He gets on the cross and dies in our place for our sin, receives the authority back, pulls it up. And, and, and Jesus thought he was able to do this. Adam was beaten and just destroyed in his mind, in his view of his holiness. He was pulled down, and he, he did this. He got into a place of fear. God came out looking for him, and he found him in a place of fear. Honestly, I believe in every way he was stripped. The Bible says that he, was, he realized that he was naked. He went and tried to get the leaves and the, the skin. Out. You know, he tried to do all those things to cover it up. But listen, that authority was stripped of him. He was naked. And this is what Jesus did for us. Jesus was taken and stripped and beaten for us. And Satan thought he had him again. He really thought that, hold on, I did this one. I, I remember how this played out. This is pretty cool. I, I take the authority, make them realize their failure, strip them down, and, and, and expose them for who they are. And then he does this. Jesus comes on the scene, gets stripped down, hangs naked for us, gives his life for us. But when that moment when he did that, he took all authority. He, he took all the authority back. And he took this, and he says this today. He says for us to not be shamed because this is what happens. Mike and I were talking about this in Luke 10. Turn there real quick. Turn to Luke 10. I had a good time talking about this the other day. I, I, I want you to see how this works, man. Mike, you just want to preach. Your message still gets to be shared today. So, uh, you know, you, you still get to do this. Luke 10, look at this, verses 17 and 19. I want you to see a picture of of what takes place. Again, Satan destroyed, him fallen, Christ died on the cross. They were marched through the streets naked, all their authority stripped from them. And I want you to look at what takes place. In Luke 10, Jesus had done this. Jesus had sent out 70, 72, or whatever it's to be exact, but he sends out those that he he had commissioned and called to go out. And these guys went out and were sharing the gospel. These guys were going out and getting people healed, set free. It was just crazy, man. Demons and all these things were subject to them and, and to the name of Christ. And in, in verse 17, it says that the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. I love that. But, but look at verse 18. This is so cool. And, and it says that he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 
Now, if you know, this is not the time that when he literally fell, when he got booed and got kicked out. But I believe it is a picture of what takes place when God's people go out and evangelize and walk in their anointing. I believe every time that you go out and do what God says, authority just keeps falling. The enemy keeps getting beaten down. This is a picture of the gospel. This is a picture of good news. This is a picture of spiritual authority, and we go share this and bring this down. So he says in verse 19, he says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So we see man give up the authority. We see, we see Christ come in and then restore authority. And then we see this, and I love it. He gives it to you. He gives it to me for us to walk out. And then he's commissioned each of us to do this. And some of you right now are saying, well, I don't sing. I don't play. I don't preach. God can't do that. He's not looking for singers. He's not, even, he's not looking for preachers. He's looking for willing people who will say, Jesus, here I am. Use me. And this is what he'll do. You. He'll take you and he'll change the world with you. I love who he calls, man. He calls fishermen. He calls, he's called physicians. He calls tax collectors. Man, come on, man. You've got to experience Christ if you're a tax collector and, and able to turn around and then start giving to others. And so you see this picture. And, and, and as uh, God showed me something the other day. He just showed me a picture, a vision of this church, that more people are getting saved by you, through you, outside of these walls than they are inside of these walls. But this is what takes place. Then we bring them in. We celebrate it. We get them baptized in the water. We put them in the water. Or if you want to do that while you're out, go ahead. I don't care. I mean, it don't matter. You ain't got to be a preacher to do that. But you get them baptized, and then we come in and disciple them, teach them to know Christ, make a disciple out of them, and then they go and disciple others. And so it's supposed to be taking place. Only will that happen when we're active. Number two is this. Be bold. Be bold. Romans 1.16, one of my favorite verses, I love it. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also for the Greek. Now listen, that, that scripture, Jesus said, man, don't be ashamed. And Paul is answering, he's answering the call. And he says, I'm not. I'm not ashamed. That word ashamed, it, it's, it's a tough word. It says this, it says feeling shamed, distressed, or embarrassed by feelings of guilt, foolishness, or disgrace. Unwilling to be restrained because of fear, shame, ridicule, or disapproval, bashful or timid. Paul said, man, I'm not ashamed. I don't want this church to be ashamed. And I'm not talking about your physical makeup. I'm not talking about what your mental capacity is and your knowledge of Scripture and, and your, your, uh, even your personality traits. Well, I'm more quiet and reserved. Be quiet and reserved as you're not ashamed of Christ. I'm more loud and outgoing. I'm one of those crazy ones. We'll be out loud, outgoing, crazy as you're not ashamed of Christ. Just whatever it is, whoever he's made you to be, use it for him. And so he, he's called us in this way to be bold. Well, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to do that. That'd be wrong. I don't want to be offensive. And, and it just wouldn't be fair. This is, this is what I get to see because of um, the social media world we live in. People don't care about, you know, they, they could care less if they offend somebody. They, they, they could care less. They don't, they, they don't care. They don't care if they offense when people put stuff out there. They say mess. They do stuff and could care less. Right now during football season, man, it's, it's really funny to see it. You know, people get so ticked off and get defriended and, and start getting blocked and say, I, you know, they doing this kind of stuff. Because we, we really deep down, we don't care for offensive. But listen, man, let's, 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 let's be unashamed and be bold for Christ. This past Wednesday was a, um, was a picture of, uh, of, of, of some hope, some hope that maybe still is in America when there was an event called See You at the Pole. 
And it was pretty cool. I was hearing testimonies come back and, and people gathering around the poles. It was a rough day weather-wise, and that hurt some of the schools. But, but what I did really love to see was that young people were willing to step forward. And what they would do is this. They would come to a flagpole, and they would pray, and, and they would pray for their school, and they'd pray for a nation. This is a picture of a young man at a middle school in Pennsylvania who at his middle school was the only one that showed up. And he had to make a choice. Do I still go to the flagpole by myself? Do I still do this? Do I still go stand there and pray? Do I still go knowing what will probably be said about me at lunch, knowing that somebody may not sit with me, knowing that somebody may diss me in class, and, and knowing that somebody may make fun of me and put it out there on Twitter or Facebook or whatever? He had to make a decision, but I love this guy's choice. He said, if I have to go by myself, I'll go. And I don't, he didn't just stand there, man. He kneeled in front of his school. I'm telling you, God's going to raise that young man up. He's going to use him. And I'm praying for revival in that school. I'm praying next year in that school is filled up because of his willingness to step up, man. And I'm praying for revival in our church because this church is willing to step up and be bold. When it may not be popular, when it may not be cool, there's anything to do, but you stand up and you're bold for Christ. He said to do these things. Third thing is this. Be active, be bold. The third thing is what we, have, we must be is this. We must be compassionate. We must be compassionate. Matthew 9, 35, 36, even through 37 and 8 says this. Says, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And this verse, man, will challenge us. He says, therefore, pray uh, the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know what we do a lot of times? You know what we do a lot of times? The person that you know right now who doesn't know Christ, person that's in this place right now who may not know Christ, a lot of times we pray for that person. We pray for that situation. We pray for them, and we should do that. I, love, I mean, we, we should. We pray the Spirit of God draws them in and all those incredible things. That's how we come to Christ. But look at the verse 38. He says this. He says that he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send out laborers. That's a different way to look at that verse because here's the deal. The harvest is out there. We don't have to pray that, that, you know, well, hopefully maybe, you know, something will happen and then they'll, they'll not, you know, not be written. No, listen, they're out there. Without Christ, there's no hope for them. There is no other way. There's, there's no other method. There's no other way to get to Christ. It's only through Jesus. They're out there, but he's saying pray this way. You pray for the laborers. You pray. And so my prayer this week is, God, send laborers, man. Send people who will go forth and share this. And if we do this, if we get what Christ had in this compassion, it changes. Compassion means this. It's a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune. But I love the rest of this. It means it's, you're, it's accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. It's a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, but is accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate his suffering. When Jesus stepped out and he looked over the city, he was moved with compassion. So he did this. He wasn't just moved. He didn't just feel sorry for them or feel bad. He alleviated their suffering. 
He alleviated their suffering. And so this is what I want us to do as we look out to our cities, we look out to our schools and our workplace. Feel sorry, feel tough, feel, feel a place in your heart of sadness for that. But go alleviate the suffering. Alleviate the suffering. Take Jesus to them. Take the one who will change them. Take the one who will, who will be able to bring life into them and, and help them come to this place. I pulled, up a vi- I, I pulled up a video for the guys, and we're getting ready to show. And I want to just kind of set the scene real quick for this. Um, this is, you heard of the magic group, uh, illusionist, pen and teller. Raise your hand if you know who I'm, who I'm talking about. Okay, one dude talks a whole lot. One dude don't talk. You know, he, he, don't, he don't say anything or whatever. But Penn Jillette, which is, was one of the guys from, from, from that group, is a, is a devout atheist and uh, outright outspoken atheist. Um, and, and normally, typically, in no way will I give any of my preaching time to an atheist because I, I just, you know, again, I have no desire to listen to anything they have to say. You know, I just want to take, take good, I want to alleviate their suffering, you know, by giving them Jesus. Uh, and, but I normally wouldn't do this, but as I saw this and as I, as I thought about what words were spoken by this guy, He's, pretty, he's an intelligent guy, and he's deceived, but, he, but he's intelligent. And, and I like that he does think and process some stuff maybe in, in a certain way. But um, I want you to look at a little video blog that he had posted that he had sent out to the people that follow him and, uh, and, and, and keep up with what's going on in his life. This is a video by Penn uh, Gillette, an outright atheist. The title of it is An Atheist Perspective on Evangelism. And um, I just want you to hear what he has to say. Listen, listen to this and watch this. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age. Big guy. And um, he had been the, um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand because we'd give those away. He had the, uh, the joke book and the, and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, uh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show, and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of. Uh, proselytizing and then he said I'm a businessman I'm 
I'm sane, I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on, and then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave you that book. That's all I wanted to say. <clears throat> and, and it would be maybe more exciting and easier for me to get up here and just give you some just real fun exciting or whatever tell you cool stories but Jesus' words were clear follow him and this is an atheist an atheist who said these words and this, this, is, this is tough how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that. He said, if I really believe that, there's a certain point where I tackle you, and this is more important than that. I don't know. I mean, what, what you were trying to do, man, trying to change the world. And he's given us the formula. He's told us how to do it. Just follow him. Evangelize. Share the good news.